Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Good morning, my name is Arman. So today we're going to end our series on this very short, uh, very short series on discipleship. And uh, by the way, before we get to that, how many were you at, uh, how many of us were at the Festival of Hope last week? Yeah, come on now. Wasn't that amazing? That is amazing. You know what's the best part of that? Besides Franklin Graham? You guys don't know? Seeing Pastor Mark on that big screen. <laughs> good job, Pastor Mark. I mean, it's like when I saw him there, wow, Pastor Mark looks good on camera. It's like, wow, probably it's a prophetic sign of direction, what we want to do, right? Anyway, yeah, that was really amazing. That was really my first time to be able to be part of something that big. And it was so exciting that uh, just lining up for, before the event, I think I already met like five or six people just because we were all lining up for uh, uh, just waiting. It's like, man, this is exciting. It was very exciting. And I hope... Um, uh, I hope more things like that will happen, right? Yeah, Amen. So moving on. Okay, let's get on to our week number three. So this is a series on discipleship. And uh, uh, and uh, who, was, who did uh, week one? Jared did week one. Then last week we had, uh, uh, we had week two last week. The, and this is week three. So let's go ahead and um, uh, I'm going to borrow from what Jared already uh, shared. So can you go ahead and uh, put up the, the word? So coming from Matthew chapter 8, verse 18 to 22, and he talked about this already. So uh, let me just read, and then we'll pray, and we're going to take about three points out of this, uh, out of this uh, message today. So, and Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, that Andrew, that I am Andrew that we've, uh, we've been waiting, that we waited for. So Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. In the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, he called them, and immediately they left the boat their father, and followed him. Then another person, uh, Simon, go ahead, the next verse, uh, next uh, slide. Coming from Mark chapter 2, uh, verse 14. So the same thing happened uh, with, with, with this guy. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Apaius, uh, I hope I uh, pronounced that right, sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Allow me to pray one more time. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that in this uh, journey that we're in, that we journey together with other believers, that we're journeying together, Father. And, and, and as it's already been spoken, we are a community. We are a family. The church is a community. So, Lord, open our eyes to see what you have for us in the word. And may, we, may our hearts be surrendered to what you're doing in our lives. This I ask in Jesus' name, amen. How many of you, when you read, when you read, when you're still reading, okay, as you read this passage and the passage just I read to you, how many of you wonder how in the world why this guy would just abandon everything and follow Jesus? Ever wonder that? Yeah? 
for many years, this passage has baffled me for so many years. I was like, it, it, defi- it, it defies common sense. Who would drop everything doing their job, the authority, the position that they have, and just drop it and just follow Jesus? I've always wondered, why? What is it? That's like, Jesus must be a, a, a man who's glowing, that he's so attractive that they wanted to follow Jesus. That well, By one word, they followed him. I was always wondering why. And then I think it was two years ago that I heard a, a Jewish preacher who actually explained why it was so easy for these guys to drop everything and just follow him. And when I heard it, I mean, I was so, I was so surprised. And I think it spoke to my heart so deeply that because, wow, Jesus is like that. Okay, so let me explain to you why. Why these guys who are fishermen, who is a tax collector, that when Jesus said two words, all he has to say was, follow me, and they dropped everything. We just learned from going to that Christian Life, uh, Christian Life uh, Center or Christian Life uh, class, it takes about 10 presentations of the gospel before, before our hearts would actually submit. These guys only had to hear, follow me, and they gave, they gave in. It's like, whoa, they must, they must, they must be weak, right? <laughs> no, they're not. But this is, the, this is the, the background behind this all, why Jesus only needed to say, follow me, and they dropped everything. See, during the time of Jesus, their education system is different from what our education system is today. Today, what do we study in, uh, in school? Math, science, math, science, uh, history, what else? Certain, th- certain subjects, right? In the days of Jesus... What they study is really the Hebrew Hebrew scripture. Half of this, the Old Testament. This one has the New Testament. So half of this, okay, something like this. That's what they study. That's the way their education system works. And they start as early as five years old. The same way how some of us here are what? K5, K3, K4? Is there a K3? No. Yes? Okay. I'm, I'm okay. So they start at the age of five. At the age of five, get this, at the age of five, young boys begin to memorize the Old Testament. Memorize the first five books of the Old Testament. We can barely memorize how many of the books of the Bible. But these guys would begin memorizing the, the Torah. They call it the Torah, the first five books of Moses, which is your Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's what they begin at the age of five. From when they do, when, when, and as they move along before they reach their bar mitzvah at the age of 13, they would have memorized the entire Old Testament. That's 39 books. Okay? 39 books. I looked it up in the English version. That is about 929 chapters. 23,000 verses and 622 some words. So they have that from five years old until they reach their 13 years old. That's what they would do. They would memorize. Because, and why? Because the most prestigious job in the days of Jesus was a rabbi. Every parent in, during those days want their child to become a rabbi, a teacher of the law. That's what they want. Today, it's probably what? I want my son to be a, a doctor, correct? A, what's, a, what's a good job? A, a lawyer. 
wow, everywhere is the same, a doctor or a lawyer. But back in those days, it is a rabbi. And the same thing today, if you want to become a doctor, we, we have some doctors in the house. Is that, is that, is that true? <laughs> is that true? It's true, right? So, just, so if, you, if you, you're one who is a doctor or a nurse, you what? You apply for the best, what? Best colleges. So you do everything. And the same thing with these boys. They, they, they memorize their Old Testament time. And some of them don't even make it to their age 13. As early as age 8 or 10, they drop out. Because they couldn't. They couldn't. So finally, here comes the... So, uh, uh, so remember, the most prestigious job in their society is a rabbi. One who teaches the law. One who teaches their scripture. Their society really revolves around the, around the scripture. Why is that? Well, uh, oh, wh why is it that way? Well, you, you, uh, for you to appreciate that, you have to look at it from, uh, on why Israel is so special. Israel today, because of the promise of God to Abraham to make them into a great nation, they are a great nation now. But what do you think is their most, what is the greatest contribution that the nation of Israel has provided for? What do you think that is? Before you, before you think about it, just recently, this is, how, this is how great this nation is. Recently, I think two months ago, I read that they came up with an invention, a device that can make water out of thin air. <laughs> water out of thin air. They came up with a device wherein they would, they filter somehow the atmosphere and they can produce water, about eight gallons a day. Commercial grade is 13 gallons a day. That's how good these guys are. The, the, the awards they have received, the inventions that they have received. Do you know that Israel is the only nation who has a proprietary right to alter your F-35s. The F-35s, of course, are those, who, those of you who are military. Uh, whoever owns the, the proprietary rights over the F-35, you cannot alter it. But because their, their guidance system is more advanced, they've been given rights to alter the guidance system on a plane that, that they're not. But that's how, that's how this nation is. But going back to my question, but what do you think is their greatest achievement? This is their greatest achievement, the Bible. In Romans chapter 3, Paul was arguing. So what is it? What is the advantage of being a Jew if the Gentiles are getting saved? So what, what does it mean to be a Jew? And Paul argues, to us has been given the oracles of God. The reason why we're here, and of course Jesus is Jewish. Okay, <laughs> Don't forget, Jesus is Jewish. That is their greatest achievement that the world has been blessed with. Right here, the word of God, the oracles of God, it was because of them. In reality, we owe it to them, that why we're here, because we have the Bible. So going back to why is it so prestigious that to be a rabbi, it's because of this. So going back to this story, five years old, uh, memorizing the Old Testament book. Then finally, before their bar mitzvah, they line up and they try to be an applicant. They, see, they're the ones who would find a rabbi and they would apply to be a disciple of the rabbi. They become the applicants of the rabbi. So the rabbi, when, when, when the time comes for them to apply, can I be your follower, can I be your disciple? The rabbi would grill them, test them. He would do all sorts of questions to them. And if the rabbi thinks that, you know what? You, I don't think you can make it. I don't want you, I don't think you can be like me. 
So what the rabbi would say is, if you miss the cut, he would simply say to the, this, this young boy, I'm sorry, but go do your father's procession, uh, go do your father's job and live a good life. Go do your father's profession. That's what the rabbi would say if he, he doesn't feel like the boy can make it. So we, we, we read in these two passages that what? Peter, Andrew, James, John, what were they doing? They were fishing. So that means that this man didn't make the cut. They didn't make the cut because they're now doing their father's uh, profession. They're now fishermen. So same thing with uh, this dude. See, Levi or Matthew is a tax collector. So he also didn't make the cut. But now, if for some instance, there happened to be a student, uh, a, a disciple wannabe, who shows such a great, great, great potential, and the rabbi sees that, hey, this boy can be like me. This boy can be a rabbi one day. And that's why Jesus, at the age of 12, when he was left in Jerusalem at the temple, it says that the teacher of the law were so amazed at him at the age of 12. So, so finally, uh, so, so a boy gets grilled and he shows the, one, a great potential. So what the rabbi would say is this. Two precious words that they cherish to hear. You know what they are? Follow me. That's what the history behind these two words is. Follow me. So now, putting that into picture, you, who's a fisherman, you know that you've been, what? You've been, you missed the cut. You didn't make it. That in all your studying, you still didn't make it. You were cut. Can you imagine the frustration of your parents or probably the frustration of your other friends? Oh, I thought you were the one who was going to make it. But no, you didn't make it. So that's why when Jesus comes along, walking, all he had to tell this guy was that, follow me. What Jesus is telling them is, I see potential in you to be like me. You can be like me. It doesn't matter what the world thinks. The world might think that you didn't make it. But to me, I see you. You have potential. You have potential. That's why this, these guys just dropped everything and followed Jesus. It was so amazing when I first heard it. It's like, I, I think I did uh, shed a, a little tear <laughs> here and there because I, I just realized that, wow, most of us feel that way. Most of us, may, the world makes us feel that way that, you know what? You don't have potential for anything. But when Jesus came around to these guys who are fishermen, tax collector, the 12 of them, he only had to say two words, and they understood right away that I have potential to be like him, that I did not miss the cut, that it's not too late, that I can change my way. I can have, uh, I can have the honor of being like him. Amen? Isn't that, isn't that amazing that that's how, that's how God is, that how, that's how Jesus is? He, he forgets everything else, and he goes, follow me. Amen? So who are, who are these 12? I want to show you who these 12 are because it is amazing who he chose. <laughs> it's so amazing who, I mean, Jesus chose almost, uh, and I know Jared talked a little bit about them, but I'm just, uh, I, I want to show you who they are. 
And these are your 12 apostles or 12 disciples. They began as disciples, okay? So the idea of disciple is, in that context, is that you have the potential to be like me. And that's what it says in, in, in the New Testament. We are, we are transformed by beholding that we, that's how we are being transformed, just like him in the very image of God. So who are these disciples? These are Peter or Simon or Cephas. He was a fisherman. James, John, the two brothers called the son of thunder. Andrew, brother of Peter, Bartholomew or Nathaniel, James the lesser or younger. Go ahead, next please. Judas Iscariot, which we know more as the traitor. He was replaced by Matthias because, uh, you know, he hanged himself. You got Jude, brother of James the Lesser, also called Judas the Salit. We got Matthew or Levi, the tax collector, Philip the fisherman, Simon, another Salit guy, Simon the Salit, also a fisherman, and then we got Thomas or Didymus, known as Doubting Thomas. This is usually how we know them, correct? Uh, or if, you, if, if you've, uh, you, you've probably seen, heard them say like St. Peter, they, we call them as saints now, isn't it? But yet, when they began, so amazing. Go back to the one to six list, please. Let's begin with Peter. Most of the things that we know of Peter is what? He denied Christ. He was the one who struck the guy in the, in the head. He's got three names because he couldn't figure it. He's got three names because he cannot make up his mind what he wants to do, I, I believe. But he was a fisherman. He was a fisherman. But most of these guys, they're called Galileans. They come from a, a region in... Israel called Galilee, except for Judas, who was from Judea. But this is what uh, Josephus, a, a historian of the early days, say about Galileans. They're notorious for certain things. It says that the Galileans, so Peter is a Galilean, almost all of them are Galilean, except for Judas. So hear this. This is what the observation of historians say about Galileans. They're fond of innovation, by nature disposed to change, delights in sedition, ever ready to follow the leader and to begin an insurrection. <laughs> Talk about that. One who's ready to rebel, quick-tempered, given to quarreling, very chivalrous man, more anxious for honor than for gain, impulsive, Emotional, easily aroused uh, by an appeal to, uh, to adventure, loyal to the end. And we know Peter has many faults, but can you imagine that? They're ready for a, a rebellion. They want some insurrection. So that's Peter. James, the elder, he's called the son of thunder, along with his brother, John. That son of thunder, you know what that means? <laughs> It was a nickname that Jesus gave to them. They're behemoth, they're outspoken, they're clamorous, they're rowdy. I can almost think that these two are troublemakers. That's what they are. I can almost think that they are. Then, of course, we got Andrew. Andrew, uh, a little more uh, on the better side, he's optimistic. Okay, he's always content to be in the second place. That's Andrew. Bartholomew, or Bart Bartholomew, Bartholomew. It says there he's of noble birth. He's the only one who has a, who has a, a good uh, birth parents. Uh, but this is the Bartholomew that, that when Pilate said, Come, I have found the one, the Messiah, whom the Moses and the prophets spoke about. 
He is Jesus of Nazareth. He was the one that says, what? Does anything good come out of Nazareth? He's that dude. So when, when he finally met Jesus, Jesus said, oh, here is a true Israelite, Israelite, and in him is no guile. He's frank. He will tell you as it is. If you ask him for comments, you better be ready to receive the comment. That's this guy. James the Lesser, it says that he has a strong character. He has a, uh, I guess, a, a, a strong meaning fiery or fiery. He's always ready. He's always hot. Then, of course, next one, Judas. Judas Iscariot. May I say, no, may I say anything more? He's a traitor, a Judean. But here's something interesting about Judas. He is a violent Jewish nationalist. Violent Jewish nationalist. Uh, he wants the, his, his, uh, his dream is, is to realize that Romans be gone. Kill the Romans. May they be gone. That, that, that's how you put it. And he, uh, uh, then comes after him Jude. Jude has a title of Judas the Selet. Selet, what are Selets? Selet are people who have seal. What kind of seal do they have? They are intense and violent nationalists with the dream of world power and domination by the Joseph people. That's this guy. He wants the world power. He wants to dominate. The only reason why he wants, uh, it says that uh, when Jesus said, I made myself known to you, but not to the world, it was Jude that said, why, Lord? Why do you not want to make yourself known to them? Because his heart was that, I want you to be known to them as a ruling king. That's what he wanted. He's a world power. We are the chosen people of God. We should dominate. That's his heart. That's, that's that guy. Matthew or Levi. Tax collector regarded as criminal, basically. Of all the people in the world, the Jewish people are the biggest hater with, of, regarding tax. Why? Because they believe that tax should only be given to God and not to anybody else. That's why they were one of the biggest hater of tax collector. Imagine Matthew being around Judah and being around Judas and then one more guy, Simon the Selet. These guys don't want to have anything to do with, the, with Rome. So moving on, Philip. Philip has a warm heart but very pessimistic. Well, or what we call them, what was it? De Debbie Downer? In, in, that's what they are? He was the one that said 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them when Jesus was about to feed the 5,000. I see what to do, but I don't know how to do it. So he, that's basically what he is. Then you got Simon the Selet, another fanatic, another fanatic Jewish nationalist. He's crazed with hatred for the Romans. They're reckless. They have a seal. Uh, and they're reckless in worst kind of action. The Selets are ready to kill in defense of the loyalty of Israel. It was the Selets, it was their fault that Jerusalem fell in AD 70. It was because of them. Then, of course, we got Thomas. By nature, another pessimist. He was a bewildered man. Wow. He was confused. He was puzzled. Don't really know what to do, I believe. He was the one that said, unless I see the, the, the what was that? 
the holes in his hand and the cut in his side, I will not believe that Jesus is. That's, these, these are the men, these are the 12 disciples that Jesus chose. Now I, can, I believe that we can really identify with some of these guys, isn't it not? When we were first called to Christ, or probably until now, we can identify with them. That is exactly how I was, or probably how I am. But what's the point, Armin? Why are you telling me who they are? The point that I want to try to make is this, is because part of discipleship is to journey or to walk with one another. Can you imagine three zealots, Simon the zealot, Judas the zealot, and Judas Iscariot around Matthew, the tax collector? Can you imagine that? Three guys who wants national revolt, who wants nothing to do with the Rome, and you got a tax collector amongst your mids. And there was another collect, a tax collector that came in later on, Zacchaeus. Imagine that. That's the kind of people that these guys are. And that's why, next verse, when Jesus told them this new command, it must be so hard for them. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. You know, the best part of being a, a follower of Jesus is following Jesus. <laughs> right? That's the best part of being a follower of Jesus is following Jesus. One of the most difficult things about following Jesus is you have to follow him along other people. I'll be lying if I don't say that. Because, I mean, look at, look at the, the 12 disciples. I mean, I'm so amazed that Jesus doesn't pick the, the, the most gentle one. Oh, this, this one will be good. Oh, this, this one is well-educated. But then again, there is, however, one who is of noble birth, okay? Granted, there's two of them, John and uh, uh, the two brothers, the second two brothers. They're actually rich. They're well-to-do. So that's why I said we can really identify with all of these guys. Some of us, we probably have a better situation than other people. But a lot of, uh, some of us, we probably feel like, you know what, we've been, uh, we've been put aside. I, 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 I've uh, been passed, passed uh, washed away, you know. But yet, Jesus said, follow me. You still see potential. In fact, I love it how in the first passage that we read, it's, he told Peter, he said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. When God called these guys, knowing that this is who they are, God gave them a glimpse of what they can become. He didn't call them, yes, you are this. Uh, uh, for them, they know who they are. There's no denying it. They know who they are. And as you read through the scriptures, a little bit of, of, of who they are comes out. I mean, there, it's, I know it's very limited. But when Jesus uh, called them, he, he said, I will make you fishers of men. It was really a call, and this is really, now, uh, this is really a call for everybody. This is the Christian call. Now, not everybody is called to be an apostle, granted, okay? There are, there, it says in Scripture very clearly, there are those who are to be apostles, evangelists, uh, uh, pastors, teachers, and prophets. But in the principle of the call is that everybody is really called, you're called from darkness to light, from sin to righteousness, from a place of lack to a place of abundance, from a place that is less to something greater, from a place of earth 
earthly mind to something more heavenly? That's the principle of the call. But the point today is not about the call, but really about walking with one another. It's like, I can't imagine, <laughs> I cannot imagine how it would have been for these guys. Yeah. Imagine, I wonder if uh, Simon the Sellet, every time he comes around uh, Matthew, he will probably step away. It's like, I don't want anything to do with you. But the thing is, that they did not remain like that. And that's what the greatness of our God does. Through the Holy Spirit, if we would continue to follow him, he has promised us something bigger, something greater, something much more than we are. And if we would just continue to follow him, he is faithful, just like what Jared said, he's faithful to complete what he has called us to do. Amen? So going back to this verse, it says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another, talking to, these 12, uh, talking to the 12 disciples. It says, Jesus didn't ask them to do anything that he himself has not done. You have to realize that. It says, I love one another as I have loved you, so you also love one another. And how did Jesus demonstrate his love for them? Well, first and foremost, it's, uh, he demonstrated it he demonstrated it. He demonstrated it by calling them in their current condition. That in itself, church, is really the demonstration for, for them. They, Jesus has not died yet, so they don't know yet. Okay? But for them to be called in that place where, when, when all their emotions have already, is, is telling them and all the world is telling them, you missed it. But Jesus in his love said, no, you can become greater than you are. Amen. And, and God, uh, I was telling this to, in our class today at the uh, foundation, God is more committed with what he has called you to do than you and I will ever be. Because in the book of Acts, it says that the, the, the calling and the giftings of God are irrevocable. They are without repentance. God cannot change his mind because God has already finished the work. God always looks at the internal, eternal view. So therefore, he cannot change his mind. But we, on the other hand, we can always change our mind. We can choose not to follow Christ. Or along the way, we can, go, we, we can take a, a detour. We can abandon what God has called us to do. But for God, he could not. He will not. He cannot change his mind. God is not a man that he should lie. That's what Jared was saying. He is faithful to the end. What he has begun in you, he is faithful to complete. So whatever call of God is in your life, God is faithful to bring it into completion as long as you stay and you follow him. Amen? Amen. So how, how did you think that whole walking with one another played out? Go ahead and next verse, please, and we'll just end with this. Jesus said, love one, love one another, and this is how the people outside will know that you truly are my followers, that you love me, is because you're loving one another. So how does that play out? Well, we'll look at 1 Corinthians. So Jesus said, when you're around them, be patient. Okay? When Simon all of a sudden says, let's go get the Romans. They're sleeping. He said, patience, my brother. Be kind to one another. Do not envy. Who was the two brothers that brought their mother, mother, brought their mother to Jesus and said, Lord, may it be that my, one of my son be on your right hand and your left hand in the day of, uh, 
uh, in the day of judgment? Don't envy. <laughs> Don't envy. Don't boast. See, I can imagine who was of noble birth. Nathaniel. Hey, guys, among all of you, I have nobility. Okay? Peter would probably say, yes, but I am the oldest. So anyway, Peter is the oldest. Only Peter is the one who's above 20 years old. The rest of these guys are below 20. Yeah, so Peter would have probably said, but I'm the oldest. You might be of noble birth, but I'm the oldest. Yes, but, 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 but I'm the one who knows how to use a pen. I'm the tax collector. I can write. You're only a fisherman. Imagine that. Don't be rude to one another. Don't insist on your own way. I can I, 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 uh, isn't that what uh, one of them uh, always say? So, uh, they're always one, who, 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 uh, who's the greatest among? What, uh, Jesus at one point said, what are you guys asking each other? What's the question that you have? Hmm? says, do not rejoice in wrongdoing. Oh, Peter failed. Peter denied Christ. Now I can be the one to lead the group. Who's the second dude? Andrew. Andrew would have said, oh, my brother failed. He's, that's it. He's gone. Now it's my turn to lead the group. No, it says, do not rejoice on what's wrong or what's wrongdoing, but rejoice with the truth. Man, love bursts all, believes all things, hope all things, endure all things. And this is what God says. I'm giving you a new commandment. The world would know that we follow Christ if we love one another, if we're patient with one another. If we don't tell people, oh, that, uh, oh, oh, did you know? So, so and so made a mistake. So now I think I, I might be able to get his, his or her position now. Yeah, right? That's what it is. I can imagine this dude doing that. But the, the reality is we're no different, right? Amen? So love one another. One last time, just want to say. Uh, you know, when God calls us, sometimes it's so hard to believe that, really, God, you have that for me? Really, Lord, you got that for me? And sometimes that's where our faith falls. You know, one of the things about these guys, though their character is like this, Jesus never rebuked them for how they acted, but really they re the most of the rebuke that Jesus did to them was that of you of little faith. That's all. That's, most of the, that's the thing that Jesus would always tell them. Why did you doubt, O oh, you of little faith? Yeah. Jesus even prayed for Peter, O oh, Satan has asked me to sift you, but I have prayed for you that when you have, uh, that when you're, it says, I have prayed for your faith, that when you are restored, imagine that. Jesus never Jesus knew that uh, uh, Peter would fail, but yet Jesus already prayed for him to restore him. And the one that made the most mistake was the one that was given the honor over the church, Peter. Imagine that. That's how great our God is. That's how great Jesus is. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Ooh. Thank you, Jesus.
thank you, Lord. Sometimes I really don't have words to, to describe or to explain how a loving God can really come down, take that place of our place at the cross. It's like it's too much to really explain in words. That's why we only get a glimpse of him here and there. Let's just go ahead and pray. Father, thank you for what you're speaking to us. If you're here today and, and somehow you know God is speaking to you right now, perhaps it's one of the things that I have said. If you feel like you're one who's been put aside, who's been, you feel like you've missed it, but yet today you feel like there's a kindle of faith that rose up because you see that God is not done with you, but you have given up on yourself. I want to pray with you. If that's you, you feel like that. You feel like you've been washed away. Why don't you just go ahead and raise your hand and we'll pray all together. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. I see those hands. Yes. Father, thank you. You know, age to God is not a is not a prerequisite. Abraham was 75 when God called him. Moses was 80 years old when God called him to make a difference. Just allow God to do business with your heart right now. I can just sense that God is doing something in your heart. And as God is doing that, let me pray for you. Father, thank you. Lord, in the spirit of your restoration, in the spirit of your love, I pray, Father, that you speak to these hearts and you give them that assurance. You give them that confidence and embrace them with your love. And Lord, I pray, Father, for faith to rise up again, to believe you again for the things that you have called them to do. Father, thank you that you don't change your mind about the plans you have for us. Father, thank you that you cannot and you will not change your mind about the plans that you have for us.